All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, speaking to you from New York City on this, the 23rd day of March, 2021. We do want to thank all of you for listening to this show and making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. Also, would like to encourage you to continue sending along any comments you have about this show positive, negative, or anything else you have to say, we're always happy to hear from you. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, our sponsors for the today's show, Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp., Eloro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Fury Gold Mines, Great Bear Resources, Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., and Firefox Gold. I've titled today's show, Interest Rates Amid Out-of-Control Spending. John Rubino, Dr. Quentin Henning, and Corwin Coe are return guests this week. As hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants swarm over the U.S. southern borders from all over the world, Democrats can't wait to give them free stuff in exchange for votes. It's as if money grows on trees, and it's understandable that socialists think it does because as an empire that has been able to create money out of thin air and use it to fund government, giveaways, ever since President Nixon detached gold from money, the government has become like a god to socialists with unending gifts to hand out. But for people who think just a little beneath the surface, the ability for U.S., for the U.S. or any country for that matter, to continue to print money and call it wealth just doesn't compute. In fact, in our fiat system, unlike a gold or silver-backed currency system, money is really a liability-based money rather than an asset-based money. So behind each dollar is a dollar of debt. And thanks to the trashing of honest money and and the destruction of free market economics, the debt is growing much more rapidly than the income created to service that debt. As such, our dollar-based monetary system is most certainly destined to break down at some point, and some people think that may not be far away. Interest rates are starting to rise despite the Fed's desire to hold them down. Might this be a sign that underlying inflationary pressures are starting to drive rates higher, such that the Fed is losing control of those rates? Will the Fed be forced to print more and more money faster and faster, leading to a lack of faith in our currency with the result of a hyperinflationary event? Or might the Fed be unable to suppress rising rates, which then leads to a debt implosion and a deflationary depression that could lead to a 1930s event looking like a walk in the park, by comparison to the 1930s, I should say. 
Those topics and more will be asked of John Rubino in the second half of today's show. Right after our first commercial break, Corwin Co. will be with me to talk about Sitka Gold's progress on its Alpha project located on Nevada's Cortez Trend, where the company just reported intersecting favorable Carlin-style rocks. As well, Sitka has had some early exploration success uh, in the Yukon, and uh, we'll look to Corwin Co. to update us on that. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Dr. Quentin Henning is with me to give us an update on the latest news from Novo Resources, which company has just started gold production on its Beaton's Creek project in Australia. That company also holds a lot of other things, a lot of other things going on uh, with Novo that I think a lot of investors aren't aware of. And that's why I was really pleased that Quentin Henning could come on today to talk about some of them. And uh, so thanks very much, Quentin, for being with us today. Always a pleasure, Jay. You know, it really is. Uh, it really is good to talk to you. And and today, I want to just have you explain some of the other things, the investments that Novo's involved in. For example, yesterday you put out a story. Uh, you you're opting in to a fifty percent uh, joint venture interest. I think you can kick it up to seventy percent at some point uh, on a project in Australia called the Queen's Gold Project. Uh, you're earning that interest from Kalamazoo Resources, a public company in. Uh, in Australia. Uh, I want to ask you about that. And then um, you have 15 million shares of newfound gold, uh, now worth around $60 million in U.S. money. This is a a stock that I follow very closely, very happy to own it, have done well with it, and so have my subscribers. Uh, Would like you to comment on on that as well, what you see there. And then just this morning, I see that you've also um, you've also talked about another uh, investment that you have in Australia. Uh, on another project, I think you the Blue Spec project you have uh, sold off to another company in uh, in exchange for shares and an equity interest in that company. So maybe Quentin, you could just talk about those those investments and how they fit into the overall scheme of things for Novo, because I know you're you're really focused on gold production there at Beaton's Creek with the potential for massive gold production over uh, the next number of years. Yeah, look, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an update on each one of those, but I'll also take a couple minutes at the end to talk about uh, what's going on at site. I'm sure people are anxious to hear things. It's getting close to the end of the month, and we anticipate an update. I told the guys, you know, keep your head down, you know, get everything going, uh, focus on the prize, and then uh, be prepared to give us an update uh, towards the end of the month, early April, and that's what they're doing. All right, so uh, let's start with... uh, Queens, uh, the Queens Project, uh-huh. uh, which is from Kalamazoo. Now, this is over in the Victorian Goldfield, so it's kind of the polar opposite end of the country from uh, the Pilbara. It's in southeast Australia. Mm-hmm. But this is an area where there are uh, some prolific gold deposits, notably the Fosterville deposit. And the Queens Project is really part of uh, a two-property uh, two pro- position that we have that, that together – control what's called the Malmesbury district. Okay, so we, we struck a, an, uh, an option and then an earn-in agreement with GBM Resources about a year ago. I think it was a year ago uh, this month, actually. And we decided to exercise that option, so that secured one piece of ground. We then uh, effectively replicated that agreement with Kalamazoo for the Queens, pro- Queens project, and now we've exercised that option. So Combined, we now uh, control this Malmesbury district. What makes it uh, very, very uh, you know, special for us and for uh, its prospectivity is its position 
It is in the Bendigo uh, zone, which is part of the, the same, it's basically the same belt of rocks as Fosterville. We're due south of Fosterville on the eastern side of the Bendigo zone. And this is an area where you would expect to find Fosterville type deposits, you know, these high level epizonal deposits, uh, epizonal orogenic deposits that can be very high grade. Malmesbury has historic production, about 90,000 ounces, uh, plus or minus, at about an ounce per ton. So we know it's a high-grade camp. Our team has been out exploring the, the, the combined properties over the past couple of months. You know, things have loosened up a bit, so they're out actively exploring. And based on what we've seen today, we decided to exercise this option. We feel that this is going to be a very high-quality asset for us to explore. We do think it has fosterable-like potential. And we're delighted to control the whole uh, district uh, by right. this acquisition. So that's right. that's one. You know, then let's just kind of tick off the the list. Yeah, you brought up Newfound next, I believe. Mm-hmm. In your yes. Uh, Newfound, we have a 15 million share position. We got that again back about this time during the the start of the coronavirus. Believe it or not, uh, we we did a share swap. We took a position in them. They went public in August. Uh, you know, there was a time when the gold price had peaked and started coming off. Their price at the the initial day of trading, I think it was $1.30 or thereabouts. Uh, today it's $5. Why is it so much higher today? Well, everybody uh, has been watching this story unfold. And, you know, I can tell it over and over again. Uh, it is very much like possible. It's a similar style of geology. It's a very high-grade orogenic system. And uh, as drilling has progressed uh, you just see a steady stream of very, very high-grade results over substantial width. So if you do gram meter, you know, take the, the gram per ton times a meter, uh, and you get a, a sense of the, the quality of these drill intercepts, they are phenomenal. We're talking hundreds of grams per ton, even uh, plus a 1,000 grams per ton uh, meter in many cases. Hmm. Okay, so uh, what does this mean? Well, They've now drilled this thing, and, and with confidence, down to 300 meters down plunge, uh, or close to it. Uh, the, the deposit's wide open. Uh, they've also announced results at Lido that are phenomenal. So it looks like we have two high-grade res, uh, zones that are taking shape, you know, both at Keats and Lido. Mm-hmm. Wow. This one worked out phenomenally. Okay, was, so we're looking at the, you know, on, on the cusp of the next Fosterville here, albeit in Newfoundland. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's a wonderful position for us. It gives us a, a strategic place. Obviously, it's worth a lot of value to us, but it's also a strategic position as I see it. Okay, so there's there's that. Now let's move to uh, Calidus. Yes. Uh, Okay, we, we sold the Blue Spec property back uh, around shortly after we announced the acquisition of Millennium. Why did we sell it? Well, this particular part of the Blue Spec property has the deeper underground uh, resources. These are metallurgically not uh, compatible with the, the Millennium Mill. And Calidus, who are building a mill that would be uh, suitable for this, uh, expressed interest. Uh, we agreed to sell this for uh, just under $20 million dollars. Uh, look, that you know, move forward. Uh, they were due to pay this uh, off quicker than than's happened. The gold market softened a bit, okay. But uh, we reached agreement with them recently to to take a large block of shares as part of this sale. Uh, for us, we see uh, you know having a near neighbor like this. I mean, they're only a few tens of kilometers away from us. Uh, that's going into production only builds a better story in this region. So uh, taking shares is not. Uh, a high risk for us, and quite frankly, it gives us good exposure to uh, the yet next mine in the Pilbara region. Okay, uh-huh. so, uh, 
you know, again, we're we're getting value, you know, we're maximizing value out of out of assets and uh, also taking strategic positions in in uh, the process. Okay, so mm-hmm. all of those are parts of building a bigger company, and that will happen over time. Uh, but right now, let me give you just a, a two minute update about what's going on. Okay, uh, the team uh, poured the first gold bar in uh, the latter half of February. I think it was February 16th or 17th. Uh, it's been about four or five weeks now. I know people get antsy, but I'm giving the guys uh, a great deal of space to, to get things going. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job. They've got a lot of the mechanics worked out around grade control and, and mining and, and milling. The, you know, the mill's performing great. It's, you know, they're seeing exceptional recoveries. They're seeing the high-gravity gold. We will be able to talk about a lot of this stuff. Uh, here shortly. Uh, I would say the update should be maybe right around the end of the month or early April. Uh, also with that, we're going to have a PEA. Okay, the, the PEA, the data for that is actually being collected like from a real, you know, real-time experience here. So mm-hmm. it's a circular process to write this PEA, but we will have that shortly too. Uh, the important thing for people to understand is that we have a very strategic mine plan uh, part of that in, involves uh, mining the back area. We call it the Edwards block. It's kind of the back. It's a lower grade area. Okay, so for about three, three, maybe three and a half or four weeks, they mined a lower grade area because that area is now the designated waste depository. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so when they mine that, yeah, we got lower. We'll have lower grades there. You know, I don't want people to get their hopes up that everything's uh, going to be high grade from day one. That's not how it works. We've we pre-stripped that or, or we pre-mined that rather. Now we're starting to deposit the waste from areas that we're stripping, which are higher grade. Okay, so we, we now have the, the ability to dispose of the waste back in that area. And we're opening up some of the higher grade panels now. Uh, so going forward, you'll see just a, you know, it, the way to put it is a gradual um, uh, picture come together of mining uh, gradually higher grade material, ramping up the mill. You know, they started at, say, 2,500 tons a day, then ramped up to three, then now they're at four, et cetera. Like, they're bumping up the capacity at the mill. It, You know, trucking, there's, like, trucking back, you know, right back and forth. They're cutting their teeth, and they're getting the routine down. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts. You know, it takes about two, three months for a mine to kind of get all of its, you know, logistics worked out. But the guys are doing a fantastic job, and I would say – uh, give us a, about a week, and you, you know I can talk more about the the details as as they come in. Well, certainly looking forward to that. Once I think the markets start to understand the economics of this prospect, uh, I think um, people are going to be. I believe people are going to be pleased, but we'll have to wait and see. And maybe just with thirty seconds, Quentin, if you could just comment on you have these other valuable investments. Now, do you see them as possibly? monetizing them sometime in the future or are you just sort of waiting and seeing how they develop um, and if you don't need to monetize if you you're well funded as I understand it to especially if your production starts to kick in cash flow you probably don't need to sell those valuable assets unless you think they're they should be sold like I said we see them as strategic positions in each and every case We're, we don't have anticipation to monetizing anytime soon okay but uh you know they they are possibly monetizable you know which is a, a big benefit because think about it i mean you know we have a, a nice bank account right now we're you know i think we'll be fine but think about you know catastrophes like covid last year or something you never know what pops up in the world or 
even with mining, let's say a cyclone roared through or something, you know, uh, bad things happen, but we have that, I think of it more as an insurance policy of anything, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, it's a strategic stake, just like I described. Why do, why do, why would we invest in Newfound? Because I didn't really think that's going to be the next positive. That's okay. incredible. Uh, you know, but you know, was it? You know, did I say, "Oh, I want to, I want to be able to sell that in twelve months"? No, that's no. not not why I took the, why we <laughs> took the position. All right, very good. Well, it's it's really exciting, and we'll we'll certainly be waiting for some operating uh, statistics. That's that's really what I'm looking forward to, right now. Quentin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely. All right, folks, well, we do have to go to break, but don't go away because Corwin Co. is going to be with us, and they've had some really good news as well coming out of the, out of Nevada as well as earlier in the, well, later, late in last year from the Yukon. So uh, we'll be right back with Corwin Co. at Sitka Gold Corp. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Fury Gold Mines is a Canadian exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable, high-grade gold assets across its 3.5 million-ounce portfolio. Led by a management team of proven explorers and developers, Fury aims to generate major catalysts and performance per share by advancing exploration campaigns across Canada. Fury is well positioned to create value for investors with low risk development growth and the potential for a new major discovery. Fury Gold Mines trades on the TSX and NYSC American under Fury. To learn more, go to FuryGoldMines.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really happy to have with me Corwin Coe. He is the CEO and a member of the board of directors of Sitka Gold Corp. Corwin uh, goes by the name of, simply of Cor. We call him Cor. His real full name is Corwin. Corwin Coe, first name Cor. He has over 35 years' experience in the mining industry, he, uh, working primarily in Arizona, Nevada, and Yukon. And that's exactly where he's working now with Sitka, and it uh, seems like they're onto some good things, some, some good early results anyway. He's put two mines into production in the past and is credited with the discovery of a 2 million ounce gold deposit. And uh, as I say, it's, it's really looking as if maybe Corwin is on to, uh, to another event or two. He's really had some, some good success early on in the Yukon and, and uh, more, well, we'll see what happens in Nevada, but so far things are looking good. Uh, trades in Toronto under the symbol SIG. You can buy it down here in the States as I have under the symbol SITKF. Um, only 58.8 million shares. I believe that's correct. Uh, Corwin can uh, can correct me on that, but at 18 cents in Canadian money, 
that's just $11 million market cap, which is really low, and $8 million or so in the U.S. money. Uh, and when I look at the projects they have and the potential, this has me quite excited about it. It's one of the reasons it's one of my, personally, one of my top holdings in my modest portfolio. I'm so glad that uh, Cor could be with us. Thanks for joining us today, Cor. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, we uh, one correction there. We just completed a $6.4 million financing here a couple oh, of weeks okay. ago. And yes. uh, that changed our issued shares to $109 million. Okay, thank you for that, Just under $20 million market cap. Okay, still a very Correct. modest market cap. And uh, yes, uh, that's right. I, I guess uh, that's right. I guess I, I now come to think of it, I was aware that you had done that and you've raised how much? 6.4, you say. So is that yeah, going to take care of your needs, your financing needs for, for a while, I suppose? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to cover us for all of our projects this year and, and into next year. So uh, we're pretty happy with where we're sitting right now. Yeah, and, indeed. Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, so um, judging from your March 10th news release, it seems that your uh, drill program and the Alpha Project there in Nevada, I know you, you're in Nevada, the Yukon, and Arizona, uh, where you spent your professional career for the most part. Uh, from what I understand, things are going pretty well. You like you like the uh, what you see so far uh, in the drill core? Oh, absolutely. Um you know, the thing is that this is a systematic approach that we're doing. We drilled a deep uh-huh. hole last year there, and the information we got from that moved our target area substantially to the northwest, and uh, and we put two holes in there in the last uh, uh, month or so. And uh, these holes, we got a lot of information from hole two that moved us to hole three, which is 700 meters from hole two. And, and that hole uh, is the one that we're most excited about It. Uh, we ended up hitting the target area there fairly shallow, like 240 feet, and uh, we, we had intense carlin-type alteration for over 210 feet there. Um, so with that type of alteration, decalcification, uh, and, the, and the sulfide that we're seeing there, um, we're pretty excited for uh, what could be the, the gold content in that. And, of course, that's uh, now shipped to the lab, and we'll have about a three or four-week period before we'll know that. But it's, it's exactly what we wanted to see. It's, it's um, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. But again, yeah, I know your firm is you, in the assay, so. Mm-hmm. I know your first hole sort of veered off unintentionally away from the target last year or uh, in the past, in the recent, yeah, the, the last, the pre, the, I guess the first hole that you drilled. Uh, but now you're seeing the kind of rocks, and we'll just have to wait and see them. My goodness, if if they're mineralized uh, with any kind of gold grades, I think the market's got to pay some respect to that, I would think. Oh, I would think so. Yeah, the first hole uh, told us a lot, and that's that's what what uh, motivated us to stake more claims and, and uh, apply for another drill permit for that area and move in and start uh, testing that ground, and sure enough... Uh, our target's a lot shallower there, and uh, like I say, uh, the intense alteration we're seeing in the in the third hole, particularly, uh, even though there was some in the in the second, the third hole is is the key to us um, for for this type of target. You you want to see this intense alteration, decalcification, karst type environment, uh, you know, cenopyrite, jasperoid, solidification. This is this is all that we're seeing over 210. 
uh, foot interval, and that's that bodes well for for um, having the type of environment for for these carbon type and, deposits. And what is so the that, depth? Yeah, that's this, where we're uh, at there. What is the depth of this uh, from the surface? What is the depth of this? Of this, I think well, you we call hit, it the, the we, Web we Devil Gate. Yeah, we we hit the the bottom of the web and the top of the Devil's Gate limestone contact at about two hundred and forty uh-huh. feet. Okay, and we stayed in this intense um, alteration to about four hundred and fifty feet before it started tapering off a bit. So very shallow, very, very shallow. Yeah, by as Carlin uh, projects go, very shallow indeed. So we are looking at a pretty thick structure. I mean, are we talking from 240 to 450, more or less, in depth? Is that the structure you're looking at? That's right, exactly. So if that that thing is mineralized, it could be very significant. Oh, yeah. No, no, this is is exactly what we're hoping to see. Exactly. So... um, we're pretty ecstatic with what we see there, and um, we'll see what the what the gold content is. Yeah. Well, and how soon? A couple so our, of weeks. Our you plan think? is to, yeah, our plan is to get these results before we do the next drill hole, and we've we're 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 um, permitted for another three drill holes in that area, uh, but we also have another ten drill holes in our initial alpha uh, project that we can we can amend and move over. So. So we're in a good position there for uh, being able to be very aggressive. Uh, if we get a hit here, uh, we can move fairly quickly with uh, with with a major drill program there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you picked up. With, you picked uh, up. Go ahead, Corwin. Yeah, we picked up some more ground after we 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 drilled these two holes. We realized that uh, um, just because of the structural interpretation that uh, that Scott's getting down there. Um, we wanted to make sure we were well, well protected to uh, encompass the, the target area, and uh, and so that had to be done immediately. I think that was our last news release. Mm-hmm. So are you? Uh, so these addition, these additional claims you picked up, thirty claims or so. Um, is your expectation that this structure is more shallow than you expected? Well, from the from the interpretation that that the, um, our team down there has done, uh, we did expect it to be shallower, not this shallow, but uh, um, mm-hmm. it's it's shaping up to be a very very attractive target that uh, that we can track and 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 yeah, uh, have it at a shallow shallow depth there. The so only thing I can that's s- kind of yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of our focus here for the last month and a half, you know. Yeah. Um, but it by no means is what the company is uh, going to be focused on for the year. You know, I mean, last last year when we talked, um, then we drilled these holes and everything last December. But um, you know, we we did four different drill projects and four different uh, projects programs and four different projects last year, uh, and with variable degrees of success. Uh, but um, this is an ongoing uh, exploration um, technique that we've used in the past where you don't just drill all your holes in one shot and then wait for, for your information to come back. Um, but in the Yukon, we had enough success there in that saddle agar zone over two kilometers uh, of strike length with four holes coming in with uh, potentially uh, economic grades there or grades that mm-hmm. were as good or 
or higher than the only uh, operating gold mine in, in the Yukon. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to be going in with an aggressive 10,000-meter drill program there, which is one of the reasons we raised this money. Uh, we're looking at 2 to $3 million worth of drilling over the next few months um, with the intent of, of, of lining out an initial maiden resource in that area. And, and keep in mind, in our sea gold um, project, this saddle agar zone is only 1% of our property. It's uh-huh. a huge district-scale property, and we want to be able to put some more in, um, exploration into other fertile areas that we want to follow up with, similar to the saddle agar zone area. So, um, yeah, the Yukon is going to be a big focus. Mm-hmm. But um, that being said... Um, We've just gotten notice from the BLM that uh, our plan of operation has been approved and we're waiting for the documentation so that we can proceed with uh, doing some additional drilling down at Burrow Creek in Arizona. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of these programs are going to overlap, mm-hmm. um, but that is fine. We have the technical teams and we demonstrated that last year where we're not a one-horse show that, uh, you know, you guys just focus on that. Um, so we're really excited about 2021 for Sitka and think that we're going to uh, be knocking it out of the park this time around. That's my Well, prediction. you know, of course, you know, we talked about it initially when I first started covering your company. The, the story, um, you know, the Nevada story was the, the lowest probability, but it had the chance to be the biggest, let's say, Grand Slam home run. Uh, and who knows? I, I can't believe. I mean, I know you're very excited, Cor. Uh, I don't think the market has really woken up yet to what your prospects are. And I, oh, I'm just hoping that uh, the thing in Nevada comes through with with some nice with some nice gold grades. But if not, I mean, you've had. I mean, I'm looking at a hundred over a hundred meters of 0.82 grams of gold per ton, which is quite a good intersection. I mean, these are early holes, right? But did you? Are this you suggesting that you can hole. you are, are you suggesting that you can come up with um, a resource, a maiden resource, this year yet, or would that be next year at RC? Oh, no, that's, a, that's our focus, Jay, is we're going to be focused on uh, the density of our drilling and, and the targeting to, to line out, to outline a, a maiden resource in that uh, satellite zone. Absolutely. And as far as Burrow, uh, what would be the the objective of Burrow Creek this year then? Well, um, we've proven that, that that Burrow Creek vein system does extend through the mountain, and uh, we had drilled it uh, 10 drill holes last year, confirming that this thing is just under a shallow veneer of uh, volcanic rock um, mm-hmm. and, and had fairly decent grades. We want to continue for the other, there's about a kilometer left, uh, to drill that um, to the southern end of the claim block that uh, we believe will, will have a big impact on the amount of ounces um, that that system contains. So that's our plan, to, to, to put some more drill holes for that other kilometer down there. There's never, ever been any drilling down there um, mm-hmm. to where this vein um, outcrops again, and, and we've confirmed that this is the same vein system. Um, that the maiden or the the historical resource of five million ounces of silver and one hundred twenty thousand ounces of gold um, contains um, 
in the old uh, outline area, which is only about 300 meters long. So there's there's a lot of room to add ounces here and to upgrade to a, a compliance resource from what is now historical. Could you give us some sense of what the uh, strike length is of this structure, this vein that you that you've gotten your five million ounces of silver and one hundred twenty thousand ounces of gold? So, what is the total length of the of the target? Well, we've got a, a one and a half kilometers that had never been drilled before that we stepped out and did the first two hundred fifty meters of it okay. to the edge of the uh, property line. And now we're on our BLM mining claims, and that's that's taking a lot longer to to go through the process here mm-hmm. to to test this uh, further. So, like I say, the, the initial resource is only involved in a strike length of about three hundred meters. Okay, so you can get an idea right. what yeah. could be what uh, down prospect. the road. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Very good. I, well, I think uh, this is a company people should be keep, keeping their eyes on this year, giving all that you've got going. And, I mean, it could be a real home run, no doubt. And I, I just don't think the market has paid a lot of attention to you yet. So I, I hope that our listeners will do some research and catch up with your story because I think it's a very compelling one. Uh, if you hit, hit on one of three, um, there's a lot of upside. But if you hit on more than that... Well, I, I think it's uh, a very great. Anything else you'd like to say? So I guess people should just really be watching for drill results from Nevada, and then obviously as things start to go forward uh, on RC and the Yukon. These are, yeah, I mean, these um, are the, the near-term drivers. That, that we're planning on mobilizing into the Yukon here about mid-May, and uh, we've secured um, the drill contract and the the meterage that we want, and. Uh, we have all of our permits in place for the entire 376-square-kilometer district up there in the Yukon. So we've got a lot of flexibility having our new Class 3 permit over over a big area of the property that we were going through the process last fall while we were drilling the Saddle Acre Zone. So it, it opened up the whole area for us for exploration, including drilling. Mm-hmm. And uh, Excellent. We feel, we feel that there's there's potential for uh, several of these intrusion-rated gold deposits within that district-scale package. All right. But yeah, no. we're, we're, uh, we're pretty excited for 2021, Jay. And, uh, Rightfully we're so. And we're starting off with a, a pretty, good, uh, pretty good kick down there in Nevada. So um, let's yeah. hope for the best there and, and carry on. Absolutely. Well, we'll certainly be watching... Core, thank you, thank you so much uh, for your time and for updating our listeners. Uh, it is an exciting thank story, you. one I'll be covering in my newsletter for sure as we go forward this year. All right, folks, so we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because John Rubino will be with us to talk about interest rates and what they may mean for the markets. Can the Fed control them or not? What happens if they can't? Those are the kind of things you want to uh, find out what John's thoughts are uh, on, on those issues. So we'll be right back with John Rubino. Don't go away. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. 
Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSXV and GTBAF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their district-scale Dixie project in the renowned Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having made multiple high-grade near-surface gold discoveries, GBR's capital efficiency has allowed them to be fully funded to complete a very active 300,000-meter drill program through 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best-performing exploration stocks in the last three years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really pleased to have John Rubino with me once again. Thanks for joining me, John. Great to be back, Jay. And it's uh, really always good to hear your voice. Uh, it's dollarcollapse.com where people should go to because there's all kinds of goodies there. Uh, and one of my favorite things that you have up there, John, uh, not just because you show me or actually not because at all that you sometimes have me as one of your top ten videos, but mostly because of other people. I mean, I really enjoy, you have a lot of really great things there, a lot of great thinkers uh, on the markets, and it's always a variety of of people that uh, really add a lot of value, and I should tell people that they should, I think it's once a week you do your top picks, your top 10 videos of the week, I guess, right, John? Yeah, usually on a, a Sunday, uh-huh. And, uh, w- one of the nice things about um, the fact that this bubble, this financial bubble, has gone on way longer than it should have, mm-hmm. is that it's allowed a, a lot of really smart people to um, to to gain traction in this market. You know, you mm-hmm. have a lot of people publishing in in various ways, really good stuff yeah. on gold and and crisis investing and uh, you know libertarian politics. You know, things that um, that we're interested in. Um, but, you know, in the past, there wasn't all that much great material. Now there's a ton. There's an embarrassment of riches because we've had such a long time to develop these ideas out there. So, so mm-hmm. it makes the top 10 video thing, you know, it's easy to find 20 of them. But it's, hard <laughs> yeah. to, it's hard to edit it down to 10 because there is just so much good stuff. <laughs> I can imagine uh, because, I, I mean, I, and I don't find the time to watch nearly all of them. But if I can pick one or two of them every week, it's really uh, very helpful, I find. So I, I want to thank you for that. It's dollarcollapse.com. Well, John, we've uh, titled our show today, Interest Rates Amid Out-of-Control Spending. Uh, You know, we're seeing 
money just spent as if it grows on trees. Um, it seems to be not only a uh, not only a Democrat pathology. It's also inflicts the Republicans. It seems to be. Uh, ever since Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, it's been easier and easier, it seems, to be able to spend more and more money and to really distort the markets in order to give people what they want, or at least some people what the politicians want them to have. Um, and so I'm just wondering, how long can this thing go? We've got, uh, what is it, our federal deficit, our federal debt is up to something like, are we pushing $28 trillion or something like that, John? Um, if not more now, I think, I think yeah. 30 trillion is, is in the, yeah in the headlights of the, uh, the federal government right now, because this year they're going to borrow as much as they did last year, which is astounding when you think mm-hmm. about it, because last year the deficit was, uh, what, 15% of GDP, some crazy number like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at the same thing this year. We just, just had the, um, the COVID relief bill get passed. And now they're talking about, um, an infrastructure bill that is going to be in the several trillion dollar range phased in over a few years but still tons of money going to be spent and uh, and they haven't completely bailed out the states and, and localities yet which is going to be the really big bailout so all of that stuff is coming we're going to borrow a ton of money and we'll we'll break 30 trillion dollars official national debt in the near term that's incredible i mean it's just it's you know it's hard to get your head around what a billion is let alone a trillion uh, but one of the things I, I noticed that, that really seems to be the case is that they call it the COVID bill, COVID relief bill or whatever it's called, but something like only 10% or less than that actually goes to COVID-related things. So, you know, humanities, uh, the arts, all kinds of other things, I suppose money going to the blue states, which are, are running huge deficits, um, it, and then infrastructure. Will it really be infrastructure? What, I mean... Who knows? I mean, it's and it's not a bipartisan situation. Uh, so obviously, the party that's in power is doing pretty much what they want to do now. Uh, but how far can this go, John? I mean, how how is this going to be financed? That's the big question, right? Interest rates have started to t- tick up. It seems to me the markets are suggesting that they've got to go higher. If you want to find people with that are willing to not consume today and set aside money then you're going to have to pay them more. You're going to have to pay you're going to have to pay more to finance this huge deficit. Yeah, uh, that's really the um, the interesting thing about this moment is that interest rates are starting to go up because inflation is starting to go up. And that puts the Fed in a real bind because normally you you deal with rising inflation by raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that anymore because um, one of the things a, a long period of artificially low interest rates does is um, it, it convinces people to borrow a lot of money at those low interest rates. And a lot of that money, it, the, a lot of that debt is variable rate in one way or another, you know, prime plus one business loan yeah. or, um, you know, an adjustable rate mortgage or, or it's very short term, like a lot of governments borrowed. So it's sensitive to rising interest rates. And when rising interest rates, uh, when interest rates rise, it raises the interest costs of all these people and it'll bankrupt a large number of them. If rates just go back to, you know, just the edge of normal, um, we would see a global financial crisis because all the people with all this variable rate, adjustable rate um, debt or short-term debt um, would be bankrupted by it. So they can't do that. They cannot raise interest rates in the face of rising inflation. Uh, so when inflation, let's say it, it 
pierces 3% and change Mm -hmm. on a sustained basis, that will spook the financial markets. And normally the Fed would respond to that by tightening, but they can't tighten. Uh, So what they're probably going to try to do now, think this through for a second, because it is absolutely crazy. Uh, They will try to push interest rates back down by creating a whole bunch of new money and using it to buy bonds um, via some kind of QE program. So we're going to meet inflation with more inflation and hope that it all works out. And and that that is literally it. That's the only tool the government has right now to deal with what is probably coming. Uh, and so then the question becomes, what happens when everybody figures out that the Fed doesn't have the slightest idea what it's doing? They have zero tools to deal with the world as it is, and the world as it is is spinning out of control. So that could be next year, because all you would need is the 10-year Treasury bond to go from like 1.65% now to 2.5. Very easy move in that market. Uh, and that might just blow up the global financial system. So we are, you know, Jay, we might be there finally after all this time. It's, um, yeah, it's a, I mean, we clearly Powell tested uh, the limits, um, you know, during the, the end, towards the end of the Trump years. And I mean, when he, we, we, he, let, he let rates start to rise and what they get up to two or three percent or so on the 10 year got to what, three percent maybe? And then we start. Then the market started to go nuts and started to head head south. There, yeah, there is a there is a point in which the system breaks down. We don't know exactly where that is, but it isn't it isn't it isn't going to be higher now than it was. I would guess. Well, see, the the longer you keep interest rates artificially low, the lower the limit is going forward. Right. That people can tolerate. And, and so we don't know what it is. You know, we don't know if it's 2.5% on the 10-year or 3%, but it, it, we know that it's lower than it used to be and that it's falling over time as more and more um, variable rate debt is taken on. Um, so we're going to find out in this next cycle, because they, they've already um, announced that they were going to let inflation run hot here for mm-hmm. a while. Right. So we're going to see... 3%-ish inflation at a minimum, you know, because a lot of things are going up in price now that weren't in the past. It used to be just stocks, bonds, and real estate where all this money was going. Yes. Now it's industrial commodities and agricultural commodities. So lumber is up and iron ore and copper. Um, and that feeds into the consumer price index. So official inflation is going to go up. Uh, and then then we find out, you know, we find out what that means for the bond market, because if you're a if you're lending money in the bond market, you want a real return on your lending. Right. So you want an interest rate that's higher than the inflation rate. Uh, and if inflation is three, three and a half percent, that means the um, the 10 year bond needs to go close to four percent, which would just be catastrophic, I think. You know, mm-hmm. so anyhow, that, that's where we are. And uh, and the action could start at any time. Well, one of the things that I've noticed is that the 10-year rates are getting close to what the dividend rates are on stocks. And for the longest time, you've had insurance companies that, you know, used to just own safe investments, you know, treasuries and high-quality bonds, corporate bonds or whatever, and not go out very much, at least in the equity markets. But they've been forced to do that, to take on risk, pension funds and the like, that more than they would have in the past. So these are funds... You know, depending on the on the nature of the insurance company and their and their uh, and their needs, they have to they have to be able to depend on 
uh, something that's stable, stable values, uh, in order to liquidate them as they need to, especially, let's say, uh, for retirement funds and so forth. So what, I mean, what are these people going to do, John? Let's say, so yeah, they almost have to keep the stock market elevated as well because so much investment is out there in the equities markets. So much of these of these funds, never mind individuals that have, oh, yeah, are out there yeah. buying buying these crazy assets. Yeah, we, we can't tolerate an equities bear market now either. And see, that's another thing that very low interest rates do is that they it push people further out on the risk spectrum than they really ought to be. Mm-hmm. But that's the only place where you can find the income. Like if you're a retiree and you're, uh, you were thinking you would live off your bank accounts in retirement and your bank account pays 0.5%, your, your financial advisor will put you in junk bonds. Mm-hmm. or dividend-paying equities, like you said, which are not nearly as safe mm-hmm. as what you would have bought in normal times. Same thing with pension funds. So you've got people who can't tolerate higher interest rates because it will blow them up directly, and you've got other people who can't to- tolerate any kind of financial turmoil because they've bought things that are riskier than they can tolerate at the, um, you know, the, the bad end of the spectrum. Like when, when risky assets start falling, Pension funds will will go bust, and retirees will have to go back to work, and it'll just go on and on. So, so you've got carnage out there, pretty much wherever you look. When we try to resolve these artificially low interest rates, because you uh, you know you can't go from artificially low to normal in the interest rate world without a huge amount of pain. And we're you know we're kind of looking at that now, because uh, you would think a lot of pension funds would be in big trouble. Now that the bond market is starting to roll over, bond value, uh, bond prices are going down right. as interest rates go up. So these pension funds that weren't making very much on their fixed income portfolios anyhow are now reporting losses <laughs> in their bond portfolios. So if stocks dropped as well, uh, they would have across the board 15 or 20 percent um, losses, which mm-hmm. for a pension fund can be fatal. Mm-hmm. And so the Fed will respond by printing more and more money faster and faster to try to to keep the interest rates from rising, to try to keep the stock market elevated. Meantime, as you point out, we're starting to see inflation, not just in the financial assets, but we're starting to see it in the things that really hurt individuals, the cost of living, the cost of staying alive, um, you know, energy costs going up, as well as food costs, and they're related, of course. Uh, there's And in the midst of this, of course, we also have problems with, um, you know, with supplies, supply chains, and so forth, uh, somewhat related uh, perhaps a lot related to the COVID situation. So you have all these issues that are seeming to come together that are creating inflation. So the Fed will, as you say, pour gasoline onto the fire to try to put it out. They'll put more more money into the system, which will cause these these issues to rise and become even more problematic. Then what will they do? Price controls? Price controls, as Nixon tried to do in the 70s? Well, that's what desperate governments fall back on, because mm-hmm. once they're out of tools, they have a choice of just letting the system spin out of control um, and collapse and them being blamed for it mm-hmm. or trying something, anything, you know, and, and price controls are usually on the list of something or anything right at the end. But, you know, you go back through financial history and you see them cropping up all the time. The Roman Empire had a hyperinflation. And they imposed price controls with the death penalty if you violated them. You know, after the French Revolution, same thing. You know, they uh, they 
made it mandatory that merchants accept their hyperinflating currency, even though it would bankrupt the merchants, and then they they executed the merchants who refused. Mm -hmm. Um, So crazy stuff like that happens when governments start to lose control. And I, I think in our case, wealth taxes, wealth confiscation, capital controls, all kinds of things like that are completely possible, along with price controls. Uh, which means you want real assets that aren't subject to that kind of thing. And you want to diversify geographically. Don't just have everything in the U.S. If you've got the kind of capital that allows you to buy a Costa Rican beachfront condo or or some farmland in Chile or something like that, or put some gold bars in a Swiss vault, uh, it, it would be useful to do that as a way of getting some of your capital beyond the crazy stuff that might happen here. And, you know, you can't know where it's it's going to get craziest. So you, you can't tell which country is going to be most hospitable, but it helps to know that, um, you know, if you have your assets in three countries um, and two of them do not go crazy, then you still have some of your capital left. You know, that that's the, uh, the basic idea behind diversification. And now more than ever, you want to do it geographically if you can. Well, I'm thinking in terms of, diversification of asset uh, of, of different assets as well John so oh, yeah but let's say um, silver for example is a uh, is an industrial commodity uh, it's also a monetary asset gold is almost purely a monetary asset or it's for jewelry but a lot of jewelry is monetary jewelry uh, maybe owning some commodities in one way or another would be a good idea even if you can't buy that beachfront property in Costa Rica or whatever because I'm certainly not there able to do that right now. That's for sure. Yeah, you um, you want to diversify in terms of what assets you own, but but kind of within the broad category of real assets. Mm-hmm. So yes, own lots of different things that governments cannot just create more of and are less likely to just steal from you. For instance, your your 401k is a sitting duck. Yeah. Uh, because that's just a pot of money <laughs> that the government can see and just take if it wants. Uh, whereas gold coins hidden in a safe place are way harder to get to for a rapacious government. So you want to think in those terms too. You know, not only what is going to go up in value, but what is easier to protect mm-hmm. when things really get going. And and uh, so yeah, it's a lot to think about. It's a, a very challenging process when you're not just thinking about what what is the best investment in terms of its price action in the next five years but also you know what's most likely to be confiscated and what's most likely to be inflated away you know that's a lot to think about in this kind of a world but we have no choice right um there isn't a choice to uh to you know not deciding is still deciding something so we we have to um put some time and effort into figuring this stuff out if we want to come through it um in as best shape as possible yeah 401ks are a sitting duck. Oh, that's, uh, that's something for people to think about for sure. And then what might be the uh, alternative? Uh, if you take your 401ks out, you're going to pay a lot of taxes if you don't have a Roth IRA anyway uh, in the U.S. So how do you, yeah. how do you, how do you handle that? I mean, you okay. go buy some gold and hide it somewhere in a foreign country. or yeah. <laughs> but, the, yeah. but the IRS is going to ask you, do you own it? And you've got to tell them that too. So, I mean, it, you know, it's, there's really no way. When you have a totalitarian government, there's really not. I mean, people have taken our freedom for, advantage, for granted for so long, John, that I think most people aren't ready for this at all, what might evolve here. No, I, I agree. We, we've become way too trusting. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know ask somebody who who went through World War II in Europe or something like that, and and uh, you know they'll tell you not to trust <laughs> the big systems because you can't always rely on them, and and so we're going to relearn that lesson. Uh, but we have a chance before it really gets going to at least make some decisions mm-hmm. that help us. And, you know, physical gold and silver that you have in hand is a, a really good quick choice yeah. because it's it's harder to trace. Yes, if you pay with a credit card, there's a record of it. But still, it's it's not something that is just sitting there like a 401k. You've put it somewhere. And and, and they, they can't confiscate silver, by the way. Silver is good in this in this case mm-hmm. because it's an industrial metal. Right. So they can't just take it away from everybody because we need it for microchips mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. solar panels and things. Yeah, exactly. um, so silver coins, if you're going to just do one thing, a mm-hmm. bunch of silver coins is probably the single best thing to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then once you've got that done, then you start looking beyond that into more mm-hmm. complicated, but maybe also useful things. All right. We're going to have to leave it go at that, John. We're out of, we're out of time already. Uh, so many more things to talk about, but we'll have you back on sometime soon and uh, we'll explore this and other topics again with you. So thank you so much. Well, folks, that is it for this week. Next week, David Stockman is our with, will be with us as will Michael Oliver Michael Timmons of Fury Gold Mines. Until then, goodbye. God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. 